Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Let's do it, okay? Matthew chapter 6, we're calling this series The Kingdom Prayer, and it comes from the perfect prayer Jesus taught us to pray, otherwise known as the Lord's Prayer. Write this down. Jesus came for two objectives. Number one, to bridge the gap between man and God. We call it salvation. We call it eternal life. The second objective of Jesus is that he spent his life on he spent his life on not his death but life to teach and preach and that was to establish his kingdom on earth to assure God has a place or home on earth through us. Okay? In in life Jesus went around teaching and preaching the kingdom. Now, if you ask most people that question, most people would say that he spent his life going around doing miracles. But I want to tell you today, the objective of the miracles was so he could plant the seed of revelation of the kingdom. That was his objective. His primary objective was not miracles. That was only to assure the audience would listen to him. So the miracles were just the hook, if you will, to get people to hear what he was trying to convey, which was a message of the kingdom. They would receive the revelation of the kingdom. Our top priority shouldn't be miracles, signs, and wonders. Our top priority should be what Jesus taught. That should be our top priority. Now, we are a spirit-filled church, and we are not ashamed of that at all, and we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. I, I operate in the gifts all the time. I love the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But having said that, we don't seek the gifts. We seek the giver of the gifts. Okay? In a lot of spirit-filled churches and denominations, there is a lot of emphasis placed on the gifts. And I love the gifts, and I think there should be emphasis on the gifts but not to that extreme. So in other words, there's just so much emphasis pushed and placed on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. My belief is that we focus on the giver of the gifts and the gifts will follow. Does that make sense? So in other words, I don't seek his hand, I seek his heart. I'm not after what he can do for me, I'm after him. Does that make sense? <clears throat> Here's an example. A great example, really. Um, Alicia, my wife, could seek me for my good looks and my hotness. I mean, you know, and, and, and that's understandable. I mean, we all understand that, right? And I'm glad that she thinks I'm hot, but she seeks me for me. Okay, she wants to know me. Not what I can do, not what I can provide. She seeks me. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and so I just want to say, I want to clarify that. Is it okay? I just want to clarify that. that. That we've even had some bad press, if you will, on that very thing right there. And here's the thing. We seek the giver of the gifts, 
not the gifts. Amen? Does that make sense? All right, just making sure everybody's on the same page. This was what I believe Jesus did. The focus was not on the miracles and the signs and the wonders. The, the focus was to grab their attention so he could give them the revelation of the kingdom. Amen. We need to ask the same questions the disciples ask. And here's what they ask. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Who better to teach us to pray than Jesus? And this prayer we're about to read is a very simple prayer, but every word carries a deep, penetrating kingdom priority. And I want you, as you repeat the words with me, I want you to hear every word of this prayer. We're going to put, them up, put the prayer up on the screen. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. And Jesus said to pray like this. Everybody say it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. To me, this prayer right here is the secret formula. It's a secret formula that Jesus gave. Very short, very simple, but so much power. And I hope that I can convey this over the next few weeks and show you some of the power of this prayer and how every word has what I called a moment ago, deep, penetrating kingdom priority. Let's start with the very first word. What's the very first word of the Lord's Prayer? Our. Everybody shout out, our. Notice that he starts with our when he could have started with my. And he had every reason to say, my father. But he didn't say my father. He said, what did he say? He said, our father. In the Old Testament, God was known as Yahweh, mighty God, Jehovah, spirit, on and on and on. But he wasn't known as Father God, Abba father until Jesus introduced him that way. When Jesus introduced him that way to the Jewish ears, this was foreign to them. They had never heard God, Jehovah, Yahweh spoken of as father before. So Jesus is bringing in this new concept and he's introducing God now as father, our father. Our father is inclusive, not just my father, but what, Father? Our Father. This is pre-fall language. Jesus introduced back with relational equity with God. Our. Everybody shout out again. Our. Our is a restorative word. It restores us to God and also restores us to one another. Why each other? Because the only other person you should say our Father to is another sibling. Does that make sense? That's why we call each other and refer to each other as brother and sister in Christ. Because we're all siblings. We all have the same father. Does that make sense? There is not a person on earth that can't say our father because we are all his children. Even if a person preferences another father or another God, their originator is Yahweh. 
Even if they don't know it yet, they're included in the words of Jesus' prayer because we're all His children. Amen, church? We're all His children. We're all included on this prayer. All of our prayers should be filtered our and not mine. Now this is important. I want you to get a hold of this. I want to say this again. All of our prayers should be filtered our and not mine. The point is, most of the time, we only focus on what we need from God, but this prayer makes us do something we don't like. This prayer makes us share. We're sharing. We're no longer saying my, me, I. Now we're saying our Father. Everybody say our Father. So the first priority of the Lord's Prayer is a word that my wife used at the beginning of the service. It's a word called unity. Everybody shout out unity. This is a foundation for the kingdom of heaven. You will never understand the Lord's kingdom without unity. Everything comes under one head. Everything comes under one name. So I want to ask you some questions today. Here's the first one. What are the bigger prayers that we need to be praying? What are the bigger prayers that we need to be praying? Does the word our Father change what you've been asking Him for? Think about that. How do you pray about His other children? How do our prayers encompass our fellow brothers and sisters? Are are our prayers only me and my and I when they should be our? Does that make sense? In a sibling relationship, there's a lot of what the Bible calls iron sharpening iron. Both in the natural and in the spirit. How many of you have siblings? Raise your hand if you have siblings. Okay, I have one brother. He's older. Let's preference older. Okay, put a lot of emphasis on older. Did I say my brother's older? Okay, he's older than I am. And um, he's five years older than I am. And he and I fought like cats and dogs. In fact, I have a scar right up here where my brother slammed me into the fireplace and cut my head open. I had to have stitches when I was a little boy. Is that right, Mom? And we wrestled. And back in the day when we were wrestling, I don't know what she's saying. I'm ignoring her. <laughs> so <laughs> back in the day... We would wrestle. Now, we, I don't remember, you know, it wasn't WWE. It was, this was before all that, okay? And this was back in the day of the, the brothers, the uh, Von Erichs. Is that their name? I don't know. It's been so long. I was such a kid. Kevin and Carrie Von Erich. I don't, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Y'all are too, I am too old for y'all. Okay. But anyway, they were wrestlers. And there was, there was another bro- two or three other brothers, I think. They were all wrestlers. And so my brother and I would act like we were the Von Erichs. And we'd get up on the bed, you know, and that was, the, that was the ring. And then we would start fighting and wrestling and put each other in headlocks and all this kind of stuff. And so, guess what? That never stopped. And we're in our, you know, he's 50 and I'm in the four. We would still throw down right now if we could. <laughs> but I can honestly say <clears throat> that there is no one that gets under my skin more than my brother. <clears throat> And I would probably say, he would probably say the same thing. Why is that? Because siblings sharpen each other. 
I can tell y'all don't like this message. <clears throat> but it's the only one I got, so you're going to listen to it. Siblings sharp each other. We don't like to be sharp. Getting an edge hurts. You know, brothers and sisters will call you out on your bull hockey. And they'll say, that's a bunch of bull. Why, they know you. Am I right? They were raised with you. They know your weaknesses. They know your strengths. They know where to push your button. Push it right there. Am I right? So in a sibling relationship, there's a lot of iron sharpening. Iron, as the Bible says. That's both in the natural and the spirit. Did you know you're sitting among fellow siblings right now? You know, we're always talking about church hurt and church splits and all that thing, all the things that happen in church. You know why that is? Because we're all siblings. And we get on each other's nerves. This is a good message. Especially when it's coming from dad. And so we get on each other's nerve. And what does dad have to do? And what's mom have to do? we got to come in and say, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. They didn't mean to hurt your feelings. <clears throat> well, actually, they did. <laughs> but, but the point of that whole thing is they're making you better. I'm just going to let you sit in quiet. I want you to get so uncomfortable with this message. But they're making you get better because they're calling you out on some stuff that you don't want to look at. And it makes you better. Yeah, seriously. If you want to motivate me, have my brother tell me I can't do something. And I will show everybody in the world I can do it. Do you all see what I'm saying? I think you all want me to move on. Okay. There is no our side and their side. It's all our Father. The demonic push is to recruit us to one side or the other. There is a demonic strategy to divide us politically, denominationally, personally, morally, ethically, on and on and on. And Jesus is showing us in this prayer and he's saying, if you want God to hear you, you begin with his priority, which is unity. That everybody, not just the people you go to church with or you agree with or the same color as you, that God says, you're all my children, red, white, yellow, blue, orange, whatever. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what background you come from. We are all part of his family. We are all God's children. Can I hear a big amen and some hand clap or something? you got to do something. Come on. So what are you saying, Pastor Jay? I'm saying stop praying selfish prayers. Stop saying selfish prayers. Write this down. The very first word of the Lord's Prayer restores kingdom perspective. One little three-letter word has so much power. It restores kingdom back to us. It is relational authority. It's relational honor. I honor you as my sibling. I honor you as my brother. I honor you as my sister. unity everybody shout out unity there's a big deal with this father thing in our society it's called father woundings 
So a follow-through for this message would be what we call here at One Community Freedom Groups. And they start again this fall, and some are enrolled in our spring semester. And if you haven't been through freedom, I so encourage you to go through freedom in the fall. You can go to our website. Uh, Registration is open. But I challenge you as a follow-through for this message to go and sign up for a freedom group. I want every, my heart is everybody in this church, member, non-member, it don't matter who you are, you're welcome to go through this this group with us, this curriculum with us, and this weekend with us, and I encourage you to get enrolled in freedom. Can I hear an amen from those who've been through freedom? Amen. Amen. Come on. So your earthly father may have skewed your vision for your heavenly father. And this is happening in our world, and it's rampant today. There is a foundational struggle for a large percentage of Americans today because we didn't have great examples of a father. It is so important that you, if you have a father womb, that you pursue healing. You can can have a good father and still have a word that I'm going to talk about multiple times today. You can have had a great father and still have an orphan mentality. Or an orphan spirit. I personally had a great father. I, I think earthly father, I, I was blessed, man. I hit the lottery. I had a phenomenal father. I had a phenomenal dad. And he raised me right. And he was such a good man. And I watched him metamorphose as a father from his younger years to his older years. And before he passed away. And, and I watched my dad change as a man and as a believer. And I watched him get so close to Jesus that as a boy I was watching him, I was watching what he was doing, I was seeing what was taking place, I was watching this metamorphosis happen before my eyes. I was living that Sunday school song, be careful little eyes what you see, oh be careful little eyes what you see. And then it also has that verse, oh be careful little ears what you hear. See, I was watching and hearing and seeing my dad metamorphose as a father. I was watching Jesus change his life. I watched as he took the steps toward the Lord and as God took steps toward him. As a boy, I'm watching this. And I had one of the greatest fathers, but my dad was killed in a car wreck at the age of 58. I was 26, he was 58. And because of the suddenness of his departure, because he was here one moment and gone the next, I didn't have months and weeks to prepare for his death. This was just all new to me. He was here, he was gone. I talked to him on the phone and then he was gone. It's like, how did he go? Where did he go? And because of that, there was this... um, this abandonment thing that started happening in me and, and he was suddenly snatched and taken and because of that he was a great father and no fault of his own but it left me with a wounding. It left me with a struggle because I didn't know what to do with that hurt and that pain. So I'm really big on the restorative process like freedom groups. And I'm very big on pastors in my life and mentors in my life. Why? Because these things have helped me unpack the father wounding that I had. 
And more importantly, above all of that, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for a dad that introduced me to the Holy Spirit at age 11. And that night I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That God, that God through my dad, prayed for me and the Holy Spirit touched my life and I was never the same. And because of the person of the Holy Spirit, I was able to make good decisions. And when I wanted to do this, the Holy Spirit would say no. And when I wanted to do that, the Holy Spirit would say, mm, don't do that. Don't go here. Don't go there. Go right here. And even without a father, fatherless, I had a father. I had a father the whole time. He was living on the inside of me. His name is the Holy Spirit. He was guiding me. He was leading me. He was propelling me. He was projecting me. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. This father deal is a big deal. This father wounding is a big deal that's happening in a large percentage of Americans. And this is where we're getting frequent divorce. This is where we're getting sexual abuse. This is where we're getting the gender identities and all the things that we're seeing today in our world. If you trace it back, it is a father wounding. There is a core wounding of a father that, that has hurt that individual. And we're seeing this run rampant in our land today. Why? The devil knows if he skews your vision of your, heavenly, of your earthly father, through your earthly father, to your heavenly father, it will skew your vision of, of God. And you won't see him uh, as you should see him. And the devil skews our vision. When Jesus declared God as all of our fathers, Satan said, we'll see about that. And I believe 2,000 years ago, there was a ploy. There was a plan that he said, I will target fathers. And I will skew children's vision of their father. And from that time on, I think there's been an all-out assault against fathers. And how we relate to our father, our earthly father, affects not just our relationship with God, but I believe it affects all of the other relationships in our life. The enemy loves an orphan spirit. The enemy loves an orphan mentality. Why does he love an orphan mentality? Because when we have an orphan mentality, walls go up all around our heart so we're no longer dependent on our Heavenly Father. And that's the goal of Satan, is to build walls all around you so the Heavenly Father can't come in and love you and tear down those walls. The enemy wants to re-edit your life and change the narrative. Because of tragedy and hard times and trauma. And the enemy wants to tell you lies like God is not really for you. If God was really for you, why would you be going through this right now? Oh, he loves to skew our vision. And here's what the enemy loves. This is his favorite tactic. This is what he loves to do. You can trace it all back all the way to the Garden of Eden. This is what he did then. This is what he does now. He mixes a little, a little truth with a lot of lies. He mixes a little truth, there's a little truth there, with a lot of lie. And the truth is, Jesus said, on this side of heaven there will be trials and tribulation and there will be things that happen. But then the Bible also says, and how many of you know this is truth right here? The Bible says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. I want to tell you, he's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. You are a good father. Everybody say he's a good father. But the enemy wants you to see what you're going through now. 
I talked to someone the other day, not too long ago, that had a trauma happen to them when they were eight years old. And because of that trauma that happened to them, which by the way, ironically enough, was a father wounding, now this person is addicted to drugs and they're addicted to alcohol. I was visiting with them and I was like, you've been an adult removed from this trauma 40 years and you're still rehearsing the trauma that happened to you. Let's quit talking about all that happened and let's start talking about all God has provided for you. And every time I mentioned something God had done for them, they went right back to the piddly things. Now, I'm not talking about the trauma. I'm not talking about the core wounding. But they would go immediately back to the minuscule things that are not happening for them now. And my, my response was, but God has restored you time after time after time. And it's a miracle that you're 40-something years old now and you're still alive. That is the grace and mercy of God. Can't you see what God has done for you? Can't you see what God has done for you? The enemy has accused God. And that weapon that he has accused God with, and he just keeps accusing God to you. And what I've learned is an orphan mentality can't receive instruction. An orphan mentality can't receive correction. And we're seeing that today. It's running rampant. I, I have connections in the business world. I know a lot of men who own businesses, and I talk to them frequently, and we're friends. And, and I've heard things so much lately about the workforce and what's going on in the workforce. And I was visiting with a man the other day that just hired a new employee, just recently hired. Just hired on. Hadn't been there but maybe two weeks at, at that point in time. And because he was a new employee, he didn't know if he knew all the ropes and knew everything to do. And so there was a certain piece of equipment that he wanted him to work on. And, and he, he was working on it. And he went back and he asked him the question, did you do this, this, and this? And the man got offended by it and cussed him. And walked off the job. And he said, I was just, Jason, I was sitting there. I was like, oh my gosh, like... I just was doing what bosses do, and I was following through to ask him simple questions, and he got offended at it. Why is that? Because an orphan spirit can't receive correction. An orphan spirit can't receive correction or instruction. That's what an orphan does. When you're not open, it creates havoc in your life. And it, it creates havoc in all the other relationships in your life. He said, our Father who art in heaven. That is a specific Father. In the Greek, this would read, our Father who dwells in perfection. Our Father who dwells in perfection. Heaven here is not a geographical location. Heaven here is a state of being. Our Father who dwells in perfection. He's saying, your originator is God. You came from Him. You came from a state of perfection. That's why you and I will never be completely happy here. That's why we're never satisfied this side of heaven. Why? Because we came from perfection. We got a taste of perfection. We were born in the heart and mind of God. And for us as believers, we will return to perfection one day. Come on, that's something to get excited about. That's why nothing satisfies on this side of heaven. Because we were born into perfection. And here in this sin-filled, cursed world, we'll never have perfection. And it drives us crazy. Drives us crazy. 
the closest we get to perfection here this side of heaven is in our time of prayer it's in our time in church it's in our time in the word in the bible it's our time with the holy spirit that's as close to perfection as we get on planet earth is when we're in corporate times like this of worship and things start happening i've heard people i've heard so many testimonies of people say you know i came in this way but i left this way why? You were in the presence of perfection. Amen, church. Our Father who dwells in perfection, He's telling us something right there. And this orphan spirit that is in our land is completely contrary to God. And a victim mentality, here's something that you've probably heard, a victim mentality is an offshoot of the root of an orphan spirit. You know how roots have offshoots to them? Natural roots have offshoots. An offshoot of, of uh, an orphan spirit is a victim mentality. I'm a victim. The way you unseek the, this demonic spirit is you rehearse God as a good, good father. Are y'all hearing me? The way you unseek this demonic spirit is you begin to pro proclaim that he is a good, good father. You begin to be grateful for all the things God has done, not ungrateful. When you're ungrateful, that's an orphan spirit. That's an orphan spirit. But you began to rehearse God is good. And you began to say all the blessings that God has done for me. And when the enemy's flooding your mind with all these things that haven't happened and all these bad things that are going on, you begin to rehearse, God, you're a good, good father. And you're pushing back and breaking that demonic curse of an orphan spirit. You say, God, I thank you. When there wasn't food in my pantry, somehow, God, you provided for me. When my car broke down, you sent a stranger to come by and help me get my car going again. I don't even know who they were or where they came from. God, when, 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 I, when I couldn't pay uh, for tires, new tires, God, you were there. And God, somehow you made a way. I remember in my own life, in my early adult life, I was too prideful to ask for help because when my dad, I wasn't an orphan. And my dad taught me to be a man. And I remember when I went out on my own and I was trying to first make it on my own, I remember thinking to myself, I could go to Dad and I could ask Dad, but I thought, no, 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 Dad told me, he said, son, it's time to be a man. And I want you to figure it out. And I remember one time I, I, I was thinking to myself and I was contemplating, I can pay tithes or I can pay rent. And I remember saying, I choose tithe. And because I chose to pay my tithe, God took care of both of them just like that. And I cried out to my heavenly father, not my earthly father. And my heavenly father provided everything I needed. Come on, church, that's something to be excited about. That's something to be excited about. That God, you made a way. God, you made a way. God, when I didn't know what to do, God, you were there and you made a way. What you do is you go back and rehearse the blessings of God. Gratitude is thanksgiving. We enter His courts with thanksgiving. We enter His gates with praise. Let me ask you a question. What happens in courts? What happens in courts in America? How many of you today need God to show up in the judicial system? I believe that for somebody today. You need God to show up in the judicial system for you. And I'm telling you how to do it. You enter His courts with thanksgiving. And you say, God, I praise you no matter what the outcome is. God, I praise you and I believe you. And that breaks the backbone of an orphan spirit. That breaks the backbone of a victim mentality. I'm not a victim. I'm a son or a daughter of the Most High God.
My Lord, I feel him today. I feel him today. We enter his courts with thanksgiving. That means the doors and gates open. And when the doors and gates open, you have access for your prayers to be heard. But we begin prayers so oftentimes. We begin prayers. I've done it. You've done it. We all do it. And we'll probably do it again. But we all, it's a lot of times we start our prayers desperate. And our prayers sound more like complaining rather than gratitude. And we start our prayers with, I need, I need, I need help. I need this, I need that. I'm desperate. And I'm certainly not saying God doesn't hear prayers like that. But I believe when we come and we say, Our Father who dwells in perfection, may your name be made whole. Hallowed be thy name. You know what hallowed means? It means holy. Holy be your name, Lord. Holy means set apart. That means, God, I make your name set apart. You're not just every other thing to me, God. You're up here. You're first place in my life. Holy are you. Set apart are you, God. How do you and I make the name of the Lord holy? By lifting up his name in chaos, destruction, and disaster. That we say, God, you are holy. I don't care what's going on around me. God, I have a heart of gratitude. I don't have an old orphan hard heart that says somebody owes me something. I have a heart that says I have Abba Father. I have God. And he meets my needs. Amen, church. He meets my needs. I want to break that orphan spirit. I want to break that victim mentality off of me. How do you do it, Pastor? You do it by rewriting the narrative of choosing to remember what God has done for you, not what He hasn't done for you. Well, God didn't do this, and God didn't do that. Really? Are we going to blame God for all of our bad decisions? Seriously? God is the originator, and He also has given us provision. He's given us provision that matches the plan that He has for our life. And here's the thing. There is no provision outside of His plan. Let me say that again. There is no provision outside of God's plan for your life. How do you know you're in God's plan for your life? There's provision there. There's provision there. That's how you know you're in God's plan. This is the whole story of the prodigal son in the Bible that we all refer to. The Bible says that he, he left the father's house. He left the father's protection. And somewhere along the way, he got an orphan spirit that says, You owe me something. You owe me something, and I want it now. And the Bible says that he got his inheritance, and he left the father's house. He left the father's covering to be an orphan. And he walked outside of the father's protection. And as he walked away, guess what happened? He walked away from the provision, too, because the Bible says the provision ran out. It ran out. And the Bible says that while he was in the pig pen... Looking for food, scrapping for food, trying to find something to eat, ran out of money, didn't have anything because he was out of the Father's protection and plan. The Bible says he came to himself and he said these words, it is better in my Father's house. (laughs) It is better in my Father's house. We would call this self-talk today, but here's the thing. There are demons and there are angels that follow you around and they hear every word you say. 
There are demons and there are angels that follow you around and they're always listening for what you're about to say. Are you going to speak good things or are you going to speak destructive things? Life or death is in what you say. And I just want to tell you right now and I want to tell the devil right now, my sob storied sad days are over in the name of Jesus. My sob sad stories are over. I'm not a victim. I'm not an orphan. I am a child of the Most High God. And I don't know. Is anybody feeling what I'm feeling? Because I feel like somebody hooked me to 480 volts electricity. Mm. Come on, lift your hands up and praise Him right now. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not an orphan anymore. I'm not an orphan. I'm not a victim. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's finish this real quick. Real quick. I'm out of time. Good Lord, where'd the time go? I'm out of time, but let's, let's finish. Y'all want to hear me hear the rest of this or not? Okay. How do you undermine the devil's schemes? By using words that uplift speaking the word of God. Here's another way that you undermine this destructive orphan spirit and victim mentality. Here it is. It's a word you won't like, but it's a word called tithing. Tithing is another way you break this spirit of an orphan. It's how you break a victim mentality is when you tithe. No, God doesn't need your money, but it's a tool that undermines the spirit of lack and poverty in your life. Listen to me. It undermines the spirit of lack and poverty in your life when you tithe. Not a tip. Not a tip. But saying, God, at the least, I will do what you've asked me to do. And when you do that, it breaks the backbone of lack and poverty. There is a poverty mentality in this city, in this county. If you don't believe that, every day go with me out in the parking lot and let's pick up trash. When you throw trash down, that is a sign of a poverty. That means my mentality is poverty. Oh my gosh, you want to be here next week. I'm going to blow your minds. I'm, our Lord is. I'm telling you. God has been giving me some stuff. But I'm telling you, there is a poverty way of thinking that we've got to break. And how you break that is through giving. You do the opposite of what the enemy is telling you to do. I'm saying in advance, you Lord, you're my father. Holy is your name. Every time I hit that button on that computer on online giving and I say reoccurring every week or every two weeks when I get paid, God, every time there is money coming out first. Every time that usher walks by with that offering plate and that that check or cash hits the bottom of that plate, every time I'm saying that, I'm saying holy is your name. Holy is your name. God, I set you apart. You are holy to me and you mean something to me. That's what you're saying. And you're breaking the backbone of lack. You're breaking the backbone of poverty. God, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not an orphan. I have a father. I need you in my life. So when I'm tired, I'm saying all of what I have belongs to you first. It's yours first. Never was mine. It's an action that breaks the power of the voice of an orphan spirit. So I speak that he's provider, and my actions prove that he's provider. When words are spoken for destruction, then you take action to do the opposite of what has been spoken. The word disciple has the word discipline in it. It takes discipline to be a disciple. And the enemy is like an old dog. Pastor D, come and I'll stop. Come on up. The enemy is like an old stray dog. Worship team, make your way. Worship team, come. 
The enemy is like an old dog. An old stray dog that you feed scraps to. Guess what? He starts following you around. Following you around. Following you around. And even after you cut him off, he still keeps following you around. This is why we correct ourselves when we misstep. Why? Because your spirit will start being in charge instead of your flesh. And you say, "Mm -mm 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 -mm, I'm doing the opposite of what you're telling me to do. When you judge sin in your own life, not everybody else's life, but your life, that's discipleship. This happened, but I don't have to keep choosing this. Notice what I said, choosing this. Correct yourself. It's time to say significant things to ourselves about God's provision. You know why it wasn't hard for me to start tithing when I was 18 years old? Because I watched my parents do it. I watched my parents bring me in on God's provision. I saw my parents struggle financially. I saw the hard times. I saw the sacrifices that they made. But I also saw my parents tithe, not just in church, watching them, not just watching. I was watching. But I saw my parents as they incorporated us kids, my brother and I, as they showed us the provisions of God. And they would say, this happened, boys. We didn't have the money, but we gave. And because we gave, look at what God has provided. And so I grew up, that's all I ever knew. It reminds me of the Old Testament because over and over in the Old Testament, you'll hear these words. When your children ask you, why do we do this? Why do we give? Why do we go to church? Why do we go to groups? You tell them this, God said. Because God brought us out of Egypt with a strong and mighty hand. (laughs) Because God parted the Red Sea. Because God made a way where there was no way. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See God's provision at every turn. God, how can I make your name holy? How can I make your name holy? How do I lift up your name in a place of darkness? So this prayer as we close is a a prayer of unity, imperfection. God, I make your name holy. Holy is your name. Would you stand with us all over this room? God, I feel you have tsunamis of blessings for your people. spoke something to me the other day and I wrote it down and here's what, it, what God told me. He said, we can build a wall or we can be built, build a memorial to God. We can wall up, close off, not hear messages like this. Or we can let down that wall and build a memorial to God. And we can say, look at what God has done. He's a good father. He's a good father. Next week, I'll go into more detail on this, but I don't know about you, but I'm ready to gain territory. I'm tired of just going in circles. I want to take territory for the kingdom. I want to take ground for the kingdom. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in this place right now with every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we thank you for this powerful message and this powerful prayer that you gave us here in 
the book of Matthew. On the day we say our, not mine, our Father, who dwells in perfection, holy be your name. God, I set you apart. I'm not an orphan. I have a Father. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm victorious because I have a Father that loves me. I have a Father that cares for me. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Jay, I just need the Lord. I feel Him strong in this service today. And maybe you're here and you need to give your life to Jesus. I can't think of a better day to do it. To come up here and when you come up here and you say to this altar team member that will be standing here and you say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. What you're doing is saying, I want my Father. For some today, there's prodigals in this room and you've walked away from the provision of God and God is saying, come back to my house. And today, maybe you need to walk up to this altar and say, I'm coming back home. I'm coming back home. I want back under His protection and His provision. Maybe you're here today and you just need to come and say, God, I repent. God, I'm sorry. Maybe today you just need to make some commitments to God. Say, God, I'm tired of this orphan spirit that I've been going around having. Maybe you're here today and you've got some just vomit words coming out of your mouth complaining. And today you want to say, my sob, sad story days are over. And I'm going to start speaking life into dead situations. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.